Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I'm your host, Hillary Jones. So I feel like my brain has been on fire with news this week. Perhaps you feel the same way. Uh, and I, I, I haven't had time to process much else. Like I feel like just more information tries to come in and it just burns up and and that's it. I, it's nothing. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's wild. But I have been practicing my recording skills a bit, and that's been super fun. Uh, I have a couple of videos on Instagram of me like tooling around with my bass and with an electronic audio experiments halberd, kind of like going between using a large diaphragm mic. Uh, and this is not in the same video, mind you. I'm not that fancy. Uh, a large diaphragm mic, which is like a crappy mic, but a mic nonetheless. Uh, and going direct through my MXR DI+. Plus. So it was interesting just to kind of see the comparison there. And I will say, once again, it is so silly that I've never really recorded before other than with my ancient Zoom H2 at band practice or whatever. So it really, all of this has been a really fun experiment. I love it. Today, I'm speaking with Ash Ferrand, who records under the name His Quiet. And they make, like, the most beautiful dark experimental ambient jams and sometimes also like a accompanied by like rad videos that they make we dig into like their writing their improv process getting deep into pedals some cool electron samplers and synth stuff plus a bit about instagram like a gear tinkerer community which is like a thing that i didn't know a ton about but like i'm sort of around and it's it's very cool to like learn a little bit more about how that functions for people who are like a part of it and then like they talk about dipping their toes a bit into like live performance after mostly doing stuff online um so which is just an interesting way to think about it because i feel like it's reversed for a lot of people anyway it was a cool conversation and then after that um i will follow up with some stuff from the last episode where i covered a bit about like how i was going to talk about this episode the negative impact of patriarchy on cis men so we'll get into that a bit after the rad interview with ash so i will say you've probably heard me talk about earthquaker devices on this podcast a bunch and it is with good reason seriously they're so good and so now i'm going to talk about them a bit more because they are officially sponsoring the podcast boom so <laughs> honestly though like i have been working with them since june Julie, Jamie, and the team are just an absolute delight. Um, and I've mentioned this before. They're really working at living their values as a company in a way that I hope all companies eventually do. Supporting cis women, LGBTQ artists, B uh, BIPOC artists, like just really doing it. Uh, if you want to hear more about Earthquaker, you can hear my interview with Julie, their CEO, in episode eight. And, you know, this is all before we even get into the pedals. That's like <laughs> obviously the thing that they are known for and they are fabulous. And so I have mentioned before on here that the Palisades just sort of their tube screamer pedal that's got every tube screamer option you would ever want and more. Um, it's been the staple always on overdrive on my board for years and I just love it so much. And I also recently got a hoof fuzz, just to like kick things up a notch because I've never really had, other than like a couple of big muffs, uh, and any other fuzzes. That's really just been it. And I needed something a little more flexible and the hoof does it. So it has been great. And, you know, in addition to <laughs> these sort of more regular pedals, you are probably aware that they also make some super, super weird stuff. And I, I remember the first time that I tried the rainbow machine and I was just like, what the hell is going on here? But like in a good way, in the way that my brain was sort of exploding. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of the deal with all of their non-drive pedals. I recently saw an old Rainbow Machine video and I'm going to share with you my favorite YouTube comment about it here, which is, I'm fairly certain this pedal doesn't actually have any circuits or wiring in it, but rather Earthquaker devices just dropped a small wizard on LSD inside. And that sounds about right. Uh, so Ash mentions in the interview that the Rainbow Machine and the Afterneath were also their first two pedals. So it's just it's there's it's just so good. Uh, plus, I also recently had an LED go out on my Palisades after years of use, and all I had to do was like ship it back to them. They fixed it in in Akron and shipped it right back to me along with a fabulous bag of coffee beans and a nice note. They're the best. They're the best. 
thank you. Julie, Jamie, everybody is so great. They are the kindest people. I love them dearly. They support this podcast, and I hope you support them too. And I promise not to go on about them for this long in every episode, but this the very first one seems legit, and honestly, they deserve it. So, also, in my personal recording experiment, which is the year 2020, I brought on uh, an editing buddy for this episode, Skylar Batts, who I have known for a very long time, uh, at least since she was 11. She's a former camper at Riot, uh, has graduated, is now an instructor there, in addition to attending Berkeley for engineering. She also runs a studio called Studio 121 for recording, which also she also makes beats can make your podcast intro or interstitial music like pretty much any of your recording needs all very reasonably priced um definitely check out skylar and studio 121 thanks skylar for your help so uh, i'll have links to skylar earthquaker his quiet everything else you need in the show notes okay here is my conversation with ash haran Welcome to Midriff. Hey, how are you? I am all right. Thanks for yeah. being here. Yeah. All right. Can you introduce yourself, uh, your name, your pronouns, a little bit about your background with music? Sure. Um, and and more broadly, everything yeah. about you. Just go go on right. forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I use um, pronouns they, them, theirs. Uh, I go by the artist name His Quiet. Um, I've been doing music since I was a fairly young, um, kid. I did, you know, clarinet, bass clarinet in orchestra and, uh, marching band. I was basically like the biggest nerd ever. <laughs> I wanted to play the, I played clarinet yeah. in school and I wanted to play bass clarinet so yeah. bad, but I never got to play. <laughs> so I'm very jealous. <laughs> yeah. Bass clarinet is awesome. I just love those timbres and like. It's just mm -hmm. awesome. Um, I took guitar lessons uh, also in high school, acoustic and electric. Um, after high school, I kind of stopped playing for a good 10 years. Like I would pick up the guitar every year for like a week at a time and then just like quit for another whole year. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> uh, and that was kind of the extent of it. Uh, I'd been having the itch to uh, seriously pick up music uh, again, and I think one day I went down this, like, weird rabbit hole of, like, uh, you know, no talking, uh, you're a rack, modular synthesizer uh, videos on YouTube. Uh, like, mm -hmm. people like Heinbach and, like, um, and Annie were, like, super, like, mega inspiring to me. Um, mm. and while I didn't go down the Eurorack route, uh, and I haven't yet, I did, I did pick up like Ableton and a MIDI keyboard and started like messing around yeah. with, um, you know, soft synths and effects pedals and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. How long ago was that? About three years ago. Oh yeah. You're deep yeah. in it. <laughs> That's awesome. But I feel like the stuff that you're creating is so rad considering like that you haven't been focusing on it for like all like that yeah. that long. Like Thank it's, you. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about that okay. shortly. So I'm wondering now too. So like, so you said earlier when we were talking, like, are you're obviously in a space right now where you're maybe have the opportunity to create more music. How, how's quarantine been? How has that affected your music? What's, what's happening? Um, so like every day feels like a new, uh, like fresh hell <laughs> indeed um, indeed but, my you know, friend I have some good people in my life and I also have music and music has been kind of like like it first started out as something that I would do every day and kind of like it'd be my my version of meditation and so it's still something that I do like 
every day. And if I don't do it every day, then it feels kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah. So like that's definitely helped a lot. So, you know, obviously, you know, you'd said you're doing more electronic stuff Mm -hmm. now, but you said you started off with like guitar. What was your, what was your first experience with guitar? Like what was your first guitar or the first one that you played regularly? Um, I played this acoustic guitar that I still, I still have. Um, uh, and I, I had lessons from this guitar teacher who was kind of like not super traditional. So he would be like, bring me a song that you like, and I'll try to figure out, figure out how to play it right in front of you. And mm-hmm. then like, you know, I'll transcribe that and then you'll learn to play it uh, throughout the week and we'll come back and we'll like pr- play it together. And so I kind of like learned how to, you know, kind of just like figure out music by watching him. And so like I can figure out anything if I sit alone with it enough. <laughs> that's a really good yeah. skill. That's a good skill. I mean, and, and I, it's interesting that that's the style that you sort of yeah. learned on because like I feel like that, that just watching someone go through that process, you're like, oh, I guess I can just yeah. do that. Like, that's a possibility <laughs> exactly. in my life. Whereas that other people are like, if the music's not there, I will never learn. <laughs> yeah. And when did you switch over to electric? Um, I think when I, like in sixth grade, when I started to like listen to like Blink-182 and, and yeah, stuff like yeah. that, I was like, I need to like be loud with this thing. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I got like one of those um those kits that were like fifty dollars. It was like a really a crappy squire um and mm-hmm. uh, an amp. The matching pack, it came with the like strap yep. and the like tuner <laughs> yep. and everything. Yeah. Classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So that was your first parade. What is your experience like what are you working with with your setup now? Because it seems like in because if you haven't listeners checked out ash's uh youtube instagram there's just like eight gajillion rad videos featuring maybe also eight gajillion different (laughs) instruments like it's so many uh and so like that was the thing i was just like i have this problem where when i sit down and i have like so much stuff like if i have a lot of pedals for Mm -hmm. example i just get so overwhelmed anyway we'll get into this but I'm, i'm curious like what is your general setup now? Or is it really just different every single time? Um, right now, I think I'm focusing mainly on electron, um, the two electron pieces that I have. I have mm-hmm. the Digitone, mm-hmm. which is an FM synthesizer. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like a synthesizer and a sequencer um, together. And then it's companion piece, with it, which is like the, uh, it's called the Digitact. And mm-hmm. it's um, like a sampler and drum machine. So they mm-hmm. work really well together, like over MIDI and stuff like that. And so those are my two main pieces that I'm like, like still always learning new stuff about every day. Mm-hmm. And then also you can connect other synths to them via MIDI. Um, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it doesn't really matter uh, about the BPM or anything like that uh, with the kind mm. of music that I make. Yeah, it's kind of like... It's kind of a bit overwhelming with some of the stuff that I have, but when I feel like that, I just kind of, um, you know, I go into the headspace of wanting to create something, and then I'm like, okay, I'll pick like two or three instruments or pedals or whatever, and just go in like, and create whatever I create with those things. So it's not as I kind of like kind of like limit myself every every session. Yeah, that that was a huge question for me when I was watching this stuff, because like I, you know, I know a bit about this, about about creating music in that style. I have friends that do it, but like I haven't spent as much time on it Mm. myself. And so I think that was part of the question for me was like, does the like, I want to make this kind of sound come first. And then you try and figure out how to put that together with the gear that you gear that you have. Sometimes that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I think it's like it could go in either direction. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think having the parameters around that that you're talking about where it's like, we're going to work with these three to four uh-huh. things right now. And that way you're not like, boop, boop, boop on eight million. Yeah. And if I hear like a total- sound that I want to make um, that's not like included here, like I'll, I'll just incorporate it in, you know. And you're, so you also spend time on like like sometimes you're using guitar or sometimes you're using like MIDI or something like that as like the 
the sound generation, yeah. I guess. Um, so like, are you just like, I want to play guitar today? Or sometimes. Yeah. That... Sometimes that's like, yeah. I think for the most part, uh, working with, uh, with the synths that I do, sometimes that's a little more complicated and sometimes I just want to mm -hmm. go in and start making music. And that's when I'll bring out like the guitar, uh, acoustic guitar or the electric guitar and like some, some pedals, you know, mm -hmm. and that for me seems like the easier thing to do. But when I'm kind of like in it for a bit uh, or I have more time than like a, like a half an hour or whatever, I'll bring in the synths and all of the other things and get into mm -hmm. it. Uh, so when you do that, so for folks that maybe are less familiar with some of the um, like sampling, like the, the electron gear that you're talking about, can you explain how that works a little bit more for, for folks? Sure. So it's like a piano, right? But you can assign a different, like any kind of sound that you want to it. And the particular synths that I use, um, you know, you can kind of change those sounds with different parameters and stuff like that. And then also on top of that, you can connect it to pedals, like a granular pedal or like a delay pedal or a reverb pedal or something like that. What's a granular pedal? <laughs> it's... um. So it basically is like a mini looper, but like it's little teeny tiny grains of um, the input. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, and you, you have a couple of those, oh, yeah. right? Which, which ones do you generally use? I'm, I'm going off topic, but anyway. Um, yeah. So I use, I'll use, uh, I just recently got the Chase Bliss Mood, which is really awesome. And just mm -hmm. like a inspiration machine in itself. Like you can throw any kind of, like input into it and it just sounds great <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like magic um <laughs> i have the uh, tomcat cloudy which is basically mm -hmm. a clone of clouds which is a euro rack module um what else do i have i have the dwarf craft grazer oh, yeah they're all they all do their own things i was watching one video that you had that had like I don't know, all of them hooked up together yeah. and it just sounded like wild, cool <laughs> yeah. vibe. I don't know. It was just like everything was disintegrating and falling apart and coming together at yeah, the same time. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted that to ask about pedals. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, so you can have different so different sounds assigned to each pad and then you can also use the pedals and then. And then um, so the sampler is you can bring like any audio that you want into it, which is kind of overwhelming. And it's been overwhelming for me for a bit. But I just, I just kind of like, I do the same thing that I do with all of my gear is I just like, I like this sample. So I'm going to use it <laughs> and see what I can do with it. Yeah. Cause you've got a ton of cool samples that you end up choosing. Where do you, you do you have a place where you usually find them from? Um, I, f I just kind of like listen to a lot of music. Uh, that's like mm -hmm. one of my other hobbies. It's just like listening to new stuff, whether it's like um, new, uh, it's like new to me. So it could be from, like a 1930s opera singer and be like, oh, that would be a really good sample to use. Or like, you know, something that's kind of new. Um, like, like I found a sample on TikTok of like four different mm -hmm. TikTokers who like did like a, a melody together and I use that. Um, so it can be like literally anything. And I'm just like, that's, that's really cool. And I just want to, I want to use that in something and start with that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that helps, um, you know, break down all of that uncertainty, I guess. Just start, just starting mm -hmm. with something. I think that's, that's such a good thing in general, yeah. I feel like, because it can be so overwhelming and paralyzing if you're like, I don't know yeah. what to do, but if you're like, I have this one yeah. thing that I can at least like focus on. So for like live performance stuff, how, how has that worked out for you so far? Um, that's actually something that I never thought that I would be into doing. <laughs> uh, I, the closest I thought I would want to get to that was like an improv video that I would post, but I decided to take the challenge and um, just do it. And, you know, I had a lot of technical difficulties, <laughs> but like there was a, a point in the show where like all of the bar attendees uh, who were not there to listen to any of the bands. <laughs> of course. <laughs> just stopped talking and like was listening and I was like hooked Ooh. after that ah. I was like oh I need to do more of these <laughs> yeah. yes that's yeah. awesome but I usually try to like bring a like a simplified setup to shows um 
Uh, so I'll bring like the Digitone as my main synth and I'll have mm-hmm. some sequences set up and, um, you know, I'll kind of manipulate the sound uh, based mm-hmm. off of those sequences. And like, I'll maybe have one or two other pedals with me. Yeah, just kind of like it's 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 mainly improvisa- improvisation up on stage for me. That was my yeah. next question. Yeah. Yeah. Because. I mean, so if you're doing a lot of the stuff you're doing seems to be like things that you're recording, like with video as mm-hmm. well. And so I wasn't sure whether like whether it's live or whether it's something that's recorded on video, whether like what percentage of that is improv versus planned and what that looks yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So especially with the the Electron devices, it'll be I'll have like a a sequence set up or like a few sequences set up and then I'll have sounds assigned to those but in between all of that, I will kind of manipulate the sound and it'll be different every, every single time. Cool. Um, so, so thinking about like your general experiences around gear, like connected to gender, connected to other identities you might have, like what does that look like for you? So like most of my musical interactions are via Instagram. And so, like, there's, like, a little bit of a community there of, like, gear tinkerers. And uh, being non-binary, I feel like, uh, like, kind of what I, uh, the aesthetic that I go for is, like, I don't show my face ever. And that kind of, like, allows it to be kind of, like, genderless in a way, Mm -hmm. unless I wear, uh, unless I do, like, some nail polish that day or something or like I'll use my voice and be like yeah this is my voice that I'm using Mm -hmm. you know I'll get like a lot of uh people like newcomers that comment and I use like a lot of bro dude language like you know Uh (laughs) and like that's fine that's fine with me um Mm -hmm. yeah people if they know me for uh online for um a bit of time they will kind of like assume that you know I'm a woman Yeah. And, and what does that feel like when that happens? Um, it feels okay. I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I feel comfortable right now educating people. Um, Mm -hmm. the community is like largely cis straight male focused, (laughs) Mm -hmm. as you can imagine. Um, what are you talking about? (laughs) I don't understand. Um, (laughs) and so I feel like, uh, as like someone who is like fairly cis passing, um, mm-hmm. that like, there's some privilege that comes along with that, that, uh, I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of my duty to educate people and I'm okay with that as well. Like it, it's not like being called the wrong gender isn't something that is uh, super triggering for me personally, mm-hmm. even though it can be for some people. So I feel like that yeah. education is like super, super important for me to do personally. Yeah. And it's nice. I think, you know, obviously not everyone is in the space where they do feel comfortable doing that. So it's awesome that you're able to like step up, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're able to do so. So around as far as like different gear spaces. So you said you're mostly interacting on like Instagram, which I think is like it is totally a very specific thing. And I think there is definitely that community. I mean, obviously there can be trolls and things like Mm -hmm. that, too. But like I feel like once you've been there and you've like proved yourself like I do some cool (laughs) stuff, check it out. And then everybody's like, wait a minute, this person does some cool stuff. Uh, Leave them alone. Right. So, (laughs) but like, as far as like in actual spaces, like if you go out to purchase gear anywhere, if you like when you have played shows or been at shows or whatever, like what your experience around gear has been connected to identities. Sure. So like there's a, there's a smaller shop here. They have like one shop and every time I've been there, I basically get ignored, (laughs) even Mm -hmm. though I've been staring at the pedal cabinet for like. 20 minutes. <laughs> Hello, <pedals. Yeah. laughs> Hello, I miss you. Yeah. Uh, and I've got a little bit of uh, social anxiety. So like, in order to make me not feel super bad about the interaction, I just assume that people are busy or uh, people are grumpy when they interact with me because that helps in the mm-hmm. moment. But when I think about it afterwards, I'm like, maybe it's because they like assume that I'm a woman and that I don't, I'm not really there for music gear or whatever, you know? Mm, You're just looking at the pretty Uh colors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting that you say that though, because I feel like a lot of times people, if you are someone who's experienced gender-based oppression in different spaces, that oftentimes 
that you get so used to having that experience that you that that's actually the first assumption mm. that you make as opposed to like some sort of personality based or situation based assumption of the of the person who works there it's interesting that you were almost saying like well maybe they had a bad day or maybe they you know are you know maybe they are not someone who likes to interact with people right. as much or whatever this you know personality or like maybe they're hungry i don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the place that you went first because i feel like it can totally go in both For directions sure. and it's complicated because your brain's like turning and like trying to figure all this stuff out while you're sitting there just being like all i want to do is try this <laughs> yeah pattern. Yeah. <laughs> um, this beautiful pickle. <laughs> uh, yeah. So curbside pickup has been awesome because I can just order it <laughs> online and pick it up and try it out at home and I don't have to deal with people. <laughs> and so the pandemic has worked out for you <laughs> in, in that, that way. way yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. Uh, it's funny in the places that you can look for positivity. Uh -huh. in Silver lining. There aren't that many. <laughs> so I would say in more electronic spaces would you say would you call it like an electronic space you you call it a tinker space but i don't know how you want to just self-define it yeah but. i would say gear tinkering because it's it's a bunch of genres all in one and they yeah they like they show their gear you know in videos and and stuff like that so i'm wondering if you've seen in that space versus other spaces if you've noticed how it plays out in those tinker or more electronic spaces which I realize could range from like ambient to like hip-hop right. or whatever but like have you noticed across those different spaces different experiences around gender and identities I feel like most people are just unfamiliar with trans and non-binary folks but mm -hmm. for the most part I've actually felt pretty supported once I was like hey this is who I am and and there are other people out there who want to do this kind of music so maybe ask next time what their pronouns are or like, you know, for, yeah, for the most part, I've, I've personally felt supported. I know other people that I've talked to who have had like really disgusting trolls and mm. it's really unfortunate because they're just trying to make yeah. music, you know, <laughs> it's all we want to do people. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that you've had that positive experiences. That rules. Yeah. So so you have these like fairly intricate videos that you put together for many of the pieces that you have created. Can you talk about the video versus the audio and how those things are connected and what that process is? Sure. So like I'll be just kind of like messing around with some uh, something for a little bit and I'll be like, this is something that I feel like I can share. And then mm -hmm. the next thought is, how can I make this look good in a video? You know, I, I need to, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, do my whole aesthetic. Mm -hmm. and show and show like some of my gear maybe I'll do like a video with um some like 3d graphics that I've made or like some footage that I've taken like when I was going out somewhere like on a hike or whatever and then I'll start there at the gear focus and I'll record it on Ableton and you know kind of connect those together do some like color correction premiere mm -hmm. and put it out into the world and see what other people think about it and but it mostly starts with you know me just wanting to create cool sounds <laughs> yeah how how has that felt when you went like the very first time that you put that out like when you had the video and the combined combined everything together and like put it out into the world in that way how, how did that feel because I feel like a lot of people in a more like traditional rock band mm -hmm. sense and this is definitely less the case than it used to be but I feel like oftentimes people like will go and play out and then they record right and so it's like a different experience i wonder how it feels putting it out virtually in that way yeah so i think i started when i don't know if you've heard of january yeah. yes anyway so it's like a, a month-long thing where you like post like little sketches online mm -hmm. of your, like all your um your musical sketches and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what it is you just post every day and so I had been creating music for a few months and I saw this and oh it's true cuckoo true cuckoo mm -hmm. is the guy okay, cool. uh, <laughs> nice. uh so I saw the hashtag and I was like, oh, I should maybe try this. And I got so much support mm -hmm. from people that it was just like, oh, maybe I should continue doing this even after the month is over. Uh, you know, I got support from people like um, Ann Sulikowski, who's really cool. awesome. She like mm -hmm. uh, does a bunch of pedal demos and uh, Black Moth, who also 
does a bunch of demos and stuff like that, like really amazing music. And so, you know, I was just really inspired by those people as well as supported. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of like what I continued to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's nice, especially if you're like people who you yeah. admire and you just put it out there and they like it and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'm okay at this thing. Yeah. 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 That's rad. And I feel like those types of challenges can be so useful for people just to like be like, I'm going to put something out here and I have to put it out today and it doesn't matter if it's like really good, but I'm going to do it and I'm not going to care. I mean, maybe I'll care a little, (laughs) but I have to at least, (laughs) I have to at least reduce my care Mm -hmm. a bit (laughs) and like get over whatever perfectionism I might have around it. So I was going to also talk a little bit about your, your guitar stuff generally. Mm -hmm. So what I've seen of you, uh, your performances or your your videos so far, they're mostly like involving either a slide or like an yeah. ebo. Can you talk about that? Sure. So <laughs> uh, I don't often play the guitar, uh, mm-hmm. and the slide is kind of like a way that I can play the guitar without hurting my fingers. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and it also sounds really cool to me personally like yeah every time I try to play the guitar with uh you know picking or, or strumming or something it ju- I'm just like and then I add I do like you know some kind of combination that I enjoy and then I try it with the uh the slide and I just like it way more <laughs> and it just sounds yeah. cooler <laughs> yeah I feel like if you run if you run a slide through more than two pedals of anything it just sounds extra cool you're like throw a little delay on there a little whatever you know any really anything Mm -hmm. uh it's kind of magic um and then ebo ebo is great i used to uh try to use the a violin like an actual violin bow but this is this Mm. uh the ebo kind of turns your guitar into like a synth you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything sounds yeah. like a synth. It's amazing. Because <laughs> the, yeah. the sustain can go on forever. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I didn't understand ebos for a long time, and then finally I was like, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> it just was like, oh, it like clicked. I was like, that is why this is the coolest thing ever made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you are, you know, getting into these, like, new pieces of gear, so I feel like a part of the, the thing for me with like electronic music and anything that involves like if somebody's like heavily into pedals or really into recording or whatever, I feel like so in my experience working with like Rock Camp, so many people are so scared of knobs mm-hmm. and just the technology piece of that. Was that a natural thing for you to 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 deal with or how did that work for you? How I got into music, I actually just I just fell in love with the aesthetic of turning knobs. Mm. So it wasn't something that was scary for me. It was just like, I want to do that. (laughs) That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I'll get, when I get a new pedal, it's like, uh, uh, just like Christmas and I get to try out new sounds and it doesn't matter if it's good or not. And it just like, I just love, I just love turning knobs and that's why I had to get away from like you know uh I had to get into hardware versus uh like a DAW which there's not there's nothing wrong with doing um music that's like more uh DAW centered but Mm -hmm. uh I just love having it out there and like trying to figure out what it does and yeah it's just really it's it's super magical like you said for me personally Mm -hmm. and I, I get that it's it can be scary I feel like it's just kind of like a, a way to explore and it can be by yourself. It doesn't ha- necessarily have to be like, I'm going to record this, like, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I like that. It almost feels like, you know, for me, gear has always been like, is always about like that, like the, the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Like the opportunity for expression and like what, how that can manifest. But I also understand being like, I don't know what this is. I don't want to break yeah. it. Like, I get it. I get it on both ends. But also, it's almost like the way that you're describing, like, feeling like you're in love with knobs. Like, I feel like there's so much power in that. It's like you have that knob and you turn it and you can just, like, hear the thing that you are doing as, like, controlling the yeah. sound. It, like, adds some, it's, like, um, humanity into the music, I feel, you know. Yeah, yeah. I like seeing it that way, like, being able to see it as, like, a powerful opportunity rather than like a scary thing that you don't want to touch because yeah. <laughs> reality like you're 
probably not going to take anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you might lose uh, yeah. if you're like if you're in something that you sound you you hear and it sounds really great, and you might you know turn a knob in the wrong way and you lose that forever. But that's kind of also the magic to it as well. You're like, okay, well, I just have to let go of that. And <laughs> yeah, have to have to create uh-huh. something new. Yeah. When you approach a, like a new like piece of hardware, are you a person who like goes in and just turns every all the knobs and pushes the buttons? Or do you like try and read the manual? Like for like the electron stuff, for example? Yeah. Um, I, I think for the electron stuff, it was different because it was more, it's a deeper machine. But for like pedals and stuff like that, I definitely just like dive in and then, and then, mm-hmm. you know, I'll have my fun with that and then I'll read the manual and watch a bunch of other people do what they do with the pedal and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's like a, I, it's funny, like sometimes there's things with pedals that you're just like, oh, I didn't even realize I could mm-hmm. do that. Like one of my pedals, I'm like, oh, this pedal can do tremolo. I didn't <laughs> even know. I've had it for a year yeah. at least. <laughs> yep. So for folks who maybe, are a little bit more nervous, what would you say to them to encourage them to get into touching the knobs and, you know, not being afraid of DAWs or or hardware? If your buddy came up to you and was like, I'm freaked out. (laughs) I don't know what to do. What do I do with this thing? Ah, but I want to make cool sounds. So I have actually brought some friends uh, into my studio who are not musically inclined and, you know, I'll just set up like a pedal chain for them and mm-hmm. like a, my Korg monologue or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'll be like, press a button. Right. And they'll mm-hmm. press the button and I'll like turn the knobs and turn off and on things. And they'll be like, oh, my God, I did that. <laughs> 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 you know, yes. and then and then I'll be like, yeah, so like you press the key on the, the synth and then you can then you can actually do this part now. And, and you just like see their their eyes light up and it's like it's a really magical moment and uh-huh. I have a few tracks up on Bandcamp actually of like just like some messings around with friends oh yeah that's nice. and I don't know I feel like that helps a little bit maybe if you have a friend having having a guide yeah, having a guide <laughs> <laughs> when you first started getting it getting into it was there like one piece of gear that really helped like usher you into that world a little bit better like the more like ambient kind of electronic space that you're that you're sometimes in yeah I think um so my first two pedals were earthquaker devices pedals yep and it was the rainbow machine of course mm-hmm. um <laughs> and the afterneath and so those two pedals alone just kind of like made this world this like weird world of like soundscape for me and I just was like I just had so much fun yeah totally that makes a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> and what were you using to um to play through those at the t- at the time um so I had I had my um uh, my squire electric guitar that I've had mm-hmm. for ages mm-hmm. and then I also got uh, a Korg Volca FM Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so those are my two main things for like a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's that makes a lot of sense is like, you know, taking kind of what you have and then like figuring out how do you like using a pedal or something like that to like expand it in yeah. some way. Like it could be some it could be running like a mic, you know, putting it next to your Casio keyboard uh-huh. or whatever. But if you're running if you're running it through some pedals gonna sound uh-huh. cool. exactly <laughs> <laughs> and i don't think you necessarily need to technically like be technically good at these things you know right i'm not i'm mm-hmm. certainly not technically good at any of the instruments that i'm playing through all of these effects uh it's just i play it until i like i like the sounds that i'm creating you know mm-hmm it's like the the ability for the soundscape allows you to like take something that might feel small and like make it feel absolutely big, almost. yeah yeah which I think is powerful as well it's like it's almost like taking like like oh I learned a power chord and then like the first time you learn a power chord on guitar and being like <laughs> yeah and if you know two power chords and you put them through like a giant like pedal chain it just like mm-hmm. sounds great and no matter what you do, and you can change it and create it and like make it your own thing. Totally. Um, awesome. So I watched 
one video of yours where you were saying that it was it was funny because you're like, all right, I'm delving into something a little happier now. Most of my music tends to be dark. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think that mostly comes from like uh, not knowing music theory um, very much mm. at all. And so I'm not like really too concerned with being inside like a certain scale. I, I if it sounds good, um, you know, I kind of if it sounds good to me personally, mm. then you know I'll do that glide from one note to another note like super slowly and like it sounds like super mm. spooky, <laughs> but it sounds great to me, you know. Oh, you could do a, a really good Halloween soundtrack yes. thing, right? Like absolutely. I wish. Up, I like... wish I. Yeah. <laughs> I wish uh, Halloween wasn't canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Halloween's canceled. I feel like people can put put their like candy out on the porch and kids can go. You just can't have any giant <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll put um my speakers out and just like play some creepy oh, music. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> the kids would be terrified with great. <laughs> <laughs> Please do that and video. Okay, I will. <laughs> All right. So I want to think a little bit about like things related to gear that maybe you kind of like feel that you didn't used to know and now you know and you feel like really jazzed about. Like what's something you feel really proud about musically? Um, or or gear gearily. Right. That's a word, right? <laughs> so I guess it kind of relates to what we talked about before, uh, like doing what I do uh in a live setting mm -hmm. like so like I have everything here everything that I need to like set everything up and then like bringing all of that to another completely different space setting it all mm -hmm. up again yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's no <Yeah>. joke <laughs> It's yeah, I almost didn't wasn't able to do my first show because I thought that I didn't bring the correct chord, but I put it into something else and yeah, I I figured that out at the last minute and thankfully I was able to play. Um yeah. <laughs> Good job. You did it. Um and I also had like some technical difficulties um while playing, but the kind of music that I play doesn't really matter. People don't really notice. I think that's really cool that that you're able though. I was talking to Reba Mitchell, who does some ambient vocal stuff as well, and was taught like talks often about like the improv space and like almost like using the audience's sounds to be a part of mm. that. And like, you know, like just taking whatever's happening in that. And if there's like a weird glitch, like how you can use that or how that becomes a part yeah. of it. And yeah, I like the idea of it being a thing that you're rolling with and then it actually kind of makes it. Yeah. <laughs> Like you're having an experience that you're never going to have again, which is great. Which, I mean, obviously that's what live music is. Anyway. Otherwise you would just be playing a, re a record, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So for gear generally, that's like maybe something that doesn't exist yet that you would like to exist or, you know, something that you are really excited about, but haven't been able to like get your hands on. Like what's, what's a dream item? What's a dream gear situation? Um, so a lot of my music is not drum based and I kind of am interested in getting into more, uh, like beat based stuff just like as a challenge. Yeah, I do. I do have the Digitact and a lot of people, uh, traditionally use that as like a drum machine. And so I'm like super, super interested in challenging myself to like get into like more music like that. Uh, so as far as like, I think we're getting a little bit towards the end of our conversation, unfortunately. So we're, if you were spo speaking to people in the music gear industry or the music industry more broadly, whether it's like people who are like gear manufacturers or people, you know, in the Instagram community or wherever it is that you want to would, would want to speak to. If someone asked you from one of those spaces, like how they could how they could make change for the better around like gender and diversity, what would you tell them? I would mainly um, tell them to ask, uh, ask questions of, you know, more diverse people. Like maybe you don't know that many you know, non-cis white guys in the community, but maybe you know one. Maybe you can ask them mm -hmm. who else they can, like, feature or 
who else they could hire or something like that. Like one of my friends, um, Dante LaRay, started a Instagram called Black Circuits. Uh, he's a mm. black guy himself, um, but he was like, I have the people that I know who are BIPOC. Who do you know? Mm. Uh, can you like share with me those profiles? And I'm like, oh, do I know so many people? <laughs> so I'll just, I just went through my, <laughs> my list and I like shared all the profiles with him. And it's really great to see them on um, that Instagram profile. And so like, just, just kind of like do, do that, you know, just ask questions of folks. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that, too, because I feel like it's so often I hear the thing like, well, they just, where are they? I don't even know that they exist. Not that they don't know that they exist, but it's like, yeah, it's almost as though they think they don't exist. And it's because they didn't take 10 minutes to research or ask anyone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, which is a, a bummer, which feels, I mean, in, in every way, very invalidating and I don't know, just... Bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it, uh, make it's like it makes people invisible simply by not asking. If that mm -hmm. makes sense, you know. So, all right, what else is coming up for you? Uh, well, I just uh, finished an album that's basically um a bunch of like improvs uh, that I kind of like lightly edited. Um, so now I'm just kind of taking a break, like figuring out what my next album is gonna be. Uh, just doing a bunch of sketches. Um, and just figuring it out for now i don't there's no mm -hmm. uh shows in in the in the future for now yeah so, so who who maybe are some folks who you're like musically in, inspired by or people that you think other people other folks should check out who should i interview sure um so my audio engineer um auto clamor mm. they mastered both of my albums and a few of my tracks and they just make all of my albums sound super professional um, nice. they're, they're also a Boston area musician and we recently bartered for like, I did a website portfolio for them and they mastered my last album. Also your website Thank is you. rad. <laughs> uh, your website looks great and the graphic design work I saw looked great. So I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I, I mentioned Anne Sulikowski before, um, mm -hmm. it's great ambient music. Um, and you could probably talk about gear with them forever. Um, mm -hmm. also this artist that goes by crossed, um, not sure of their actual name, but, um, they make some really great indie pop music and they like also show their gear too. So mm. that's really interesting. Best of yeah. both worlds. Um, I feel like they're going <laughs> to like really hit it big one day. I hope so. At least, uh, I'm inspired by Marcy.dh. She does some really great things with synths. Yonat Haftka, who goes by a really awesome Instagram name uh, called Thereminati. That's yeah. Amazing. She does some free jazz stuff <laughs> with a theremin, and her husband like does some guitar stuff with her. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Elixir does some great stuff with like the SP four hundred four. Moxie Martinez is uh, does some really great Moog stuff, and mm -hmm. also Helen. Vogel singer uh does really great um melodic stuff with her euro rack um in like mm. aban abandoned buildings and stuff like that and how can listeners stay in contact with you or hear more from you what sure you got? Uh, i got my website that has like all of the links um it's hisquiet.com h-i-s-s-q-u-i-e-t.com and yeah you can just find everything there <laughs> Everything yeah. is there and it looks cool. Oh, so you should go there. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Ash, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. This has been a really fun no conversation. Problem. Cool. Thank you. Bye. I loved getting a chance to talk to Ash. They're doing just so many cool things. Like it's wild and I can't wait to see what, whatever new cool jams come from them in the future. Definitely check out the show notes to find their website and mentions. Very cool website. Did I mention it's cool? It's cool. Uh, hire them to make you a website or music for everything. I don't know, to, to just walk down the street, all, your soundtrack for life. It could, it could be yours. Anyway. All right. Last episode, I mentioned that I was going to dig into a conversation about the ways that the patriarchy negatively affects men. Well... Here we are. Once again, 
I am going to note that, of course, obviously, I, I would imagine at this point, this podcast generally leans into this space where folks experience gender-based oppression. And that is generally discussed in experiences of cis women, trans, and non-binary folks. That's usually where we're at. And that is where the conversation most of the time should land, right? But it's also important to note that, you know, feminists are frequently arguing that while, you know, like cis men are the ones with power in the system, the individual men are trapped in it as well. So it's also been noted that like as a society, it's shifted pretty quickly for women and their roles um, over the last like 50 years or so. And obviously it's always shifting, but I feel like people are feeling it a lot right now. Uh, so it's it shifted a lot for women, but it hasn't really shifted in the same way for men. And so what's ended up happening, I think, is that it's like leading a lot of men to feel unclear about what their role should be, which I think is confusing. With that, I'm going to frame this conversation in terms of Bannon's four dimensions of masculinity. And I will add that this manifests differently for folks based on different identities. Generally, uh, the norm is cis, white, heterosexual men. And so all men are pressured to uphold those traits, right? That's real. Okay. So Bannon's four dimensions of masculinity are no sissy stuff, the big wheel, the sturdy oak, and give him hell. And I'll explain that now. So the no sissy stuff is basically a rejection of femininity. Like that's pretty obvious. Uh, women are considered less worthy than men, and therefore anything associated with femininity is bad. Uh, and that might include like pink or purple guitars, sparkly guitars, paisley guitars, any guitar with some sort of ornate design. Um, and of course, like this is not the case for many, but there are a lot of cis men who wouldn't be caught dead with anything like that, right? Like there are many people who are like cool with it, but others who are like, mm -mm, I would never, right? So <laughs> that's, that's, that's what that is, no sissy stuff. So the next is the big wheel. So that's like ambition, success, fame, wealth, that kind of thing, right? So this is where men are like pressured to make money, to be the breadwinner, to climb the corporate ladder or whatever that might be. So for musicians uh, and those in like gear spaces, this might translate to being well-known, obviously either for music, for the gear they create, for their music store, for their YouTube channel. Um, and I would say that the constant need to buy more gear and to show off your gear could obviously fit into this as well. So the, the sturdy oak is the third. That's uh, things like, you know, needing to ex exude confidence, competence, stoicism, toughness, right? Like this is where men are told like not to show emotion, that they have to be tough. There are obviously some exceptions for this in music spaces. So you know, you might in some genres or some spaces be able to show emotions or even like mess with gender presentation a bit. But in some ways you have to then like make up for it elsewhere. So that could be through like your wealth, your popularity, the size and loudness of your amps, the number of guitars you have, the number of women you've slept with or whatever. So like, it, you know, it, it also means that since you have to be like competent, you have to present like that you know things that you might not actually know, which is also a lot of pressure and also might impede learning. So lots of issues there. Last one is give them hell. So that's like the idea of like machismo. So that's could be like breaking rules, sexual potency, contempt for women, right? So all of the dimensions that I've discussed so far are wrapped up in, I would say, American individualism. But here, the idea that one can tell you what to what like no one can tell you what to do that you can do what you want um is very important here specifically but generally the idea that like you're being a rule breaker or whatever and rejecting society's rules is still very much at the heart of punk rock metal where a lot of like gear culture lives and the sexual potency piece and contempt for women are like less socially acceptable to flaunt than they used to be right but there are bits and pieces of that around still in uh, some advertising and like definitely in some social media comments, um, let alone like in actual lived spaces. So it, also, if you think about like things like memes that show like a dude without a guitar and with like a less traditionally attractive woman and then the same pick with him 
holding a guitar, but with like a super attractive woman, right? So that's, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know. So other another meme might be like, you know, a husband hiding his gear purchases from his wife or like literally any social media comment on a gear page about a woman's appearance instead of her playing or whatever. So those are all examples of give, give them hell. But overall, I would say that the that men feel the pressure to maintain all four of these dimensions at some point in their life. And that can be a lot, right? If you're a cis man, I have no doubt that you have felt that pressure and that it has affected you in, in immeasurable ways, probably a lot growing up and still today. As someone who has a four-year-old boy, I think about this like every single day. And that is in no way to say that like that, that it's worse than it is for cis women, trans, and non-binary folks. That's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying that it is a, a real impact. So all of the pressure to maintain these dimensions uh, can lead to a lot of negative outcomes for men. So I'm going to go through some of those now. So first of all, they die at a younger age than women on average, right? They don't live as long. And that's because they engage in more risk-taking behavior. They're less likely to go to the doctor. They're more likely to work in dangerous jobs, right? So all of those things lead them to actually not live as long. That's the problem. Uh, they have higher rates of violence. So men are victims of sexual violence through the mostly like at the hands of other men as well as they also experience domestic violence. Neither of those are taken seriously because men are, it's, it's basically considered a joke because men are supposed to be manly. Um, and it's, it's really terrible the way that that's perceived and portrayed. Men are also much more likely to be victims of homicide than women. And once again, this is oftentimes at the hands of other men, mostly at the hands of other men. And when women, when it happens for women, I would say also that's usually in a domestic violence or intimate per personal intimate partner violence situation. Men also have higher rates of suicide. That's because men tend to use more deadly means in their suicide attempts, and therefore they are then like more likely to die by them. They also have higher rates of drug and alcohol use, so they're you know encouraged to engage in higher levels of alcohol use, um, in some cases drug drug use, and for that reason they are then like more likely to face problems associated with that use, including dying at a younger rate, etc. Uh, so then another is that they are, there are fewer acceptable ways to express emotions. So men are allowed one emotion and that emotion is anger. And that often comes out in very negative and harmful ways. And, you know, many men spend much of their lives feeling a need not to cry or express their vulnerability in any way. And that is no way to live. It's not, uh, relatedly, they're told that they're supposed to deal with things on their own, uh, we're back to that American individualism thing, and not get help from anyone else. So they are less likely to reach out to a friend, a family member, a therapist if they need it, which is a problem. Another issue is that there is a general lack of trust in relationships and also like that extends to more casual interactions as well. So cis women, trans, and non-binary folks learn very early not to trust cis men. That's a bummer. Uh, of course, most men are not aiming to engage in harmful behaviors, but some very actively do. Some also might not mean to, but they do. That's another conversation. But what ends up happening is that the number of men that are engaging in these behaviors, if that's not you, which I hope it's not, they're making you look bad, right? That's a problem. And it means that, you know, cis women, trans, non-binary folks, we cross the street when you, we see you at night. Or sometimes during the day, you know, because we think that uh, any cis man might do us harm. And it's sad that this is the case, but it doesn't have to be, right? So another is presumption of heterosexuality. So obviously heteronormativity is an expectation in our culture for everyone, but the pressures for men are particularly high. And that's also connected to another issue, which is the expectation to engage in sexual activity. So the pressure to have sex as soon as possible and as often as possible is a lot. It's a lot of pressure for boys and men. And it also leads them to engage in risky sexual situations, whether due to like a lack of protection or because they are not fully committed to getting consent because the pressure to engage in this behavior is higher than the pressure to not potentially sexually assault someone. And that's a really big problem. All right, last one I'm gonna mention here uh, fewer acceptable interests, hobbies, or careers available to them. So looking back at the dimensions of masculinity, this might lead men 
to only pursue hobbies or careers that fit within those dimensions. So that might mean that they only engage uh, or focus on things that will lead them to make a lot of money, lead them to power, or involve some sort of physical risk-taking. And, you know, if they want to be a teacher or a nurse or any job that involves caretaking, for example, that, you know, it might just get shut down by themselves or by a family member or something, and they just never do it, as well as, like, a job that doesn't make a lot of money. For example, being a musician. <laughs> so... So the moral of the story here is that the patriarchy is harmful to everyone, even cis men, who are the ones who often benefit from it most. So men should have access to their emotions. They should be able to pursue hobbies and interests that they want. They shouldn't feel pressured to drink themselves to death. I could go on, right? Uh, so the work of making change in the music or industry is not just in representation of and expectations of cis women, trans, and non-binary folks, it's also about changing the expectations and representation of men in, in the industry and obviously well beyond. Okay, all right, that's a lot. So thanks for sticking with me through it. I, I just think it's so, so, so important. And it's like, this is a systemic issue, right? And it affects each of us individually. So if we can upend the system, everyone will feel freer to move in the world and live the lives that they want to live. And ultimately, that's what everyone wants, right? I would hope so. All right. If you like the show, please take a second to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. I would appreciate it so much. Um, I'll have a link for that and much more in the show notes. And you can follow along between episodes on Instagram or Facebook, or you can even sign up for my newsletter at hillarybjones.com. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening.